Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the men folks stand in You know, when you don't have power, it really... <laughs> It really fucks things up. <laughs> Sitting there, well, you know, we lost power in a big storm, and I'm like, well, why don't we just go down and record? We oh, can't record. Oh, all right. I guess I'm just going to go up and read for a little while. I don't have a light. Oh, um, I, yeah. I just everything requires power. And I it, it, having I, background music, something going on in the background. The house is quiet as the house is getting quieter and, and quieter. hotter. So we had the, we've been having a. a a heat wave. The whole world's had a heat wave, and we finally had one of those fronts that comes through and cleanses everything out last night. And I was coming back from the store, and I saw it in the distance, like a mountain range heading this way. And I said, "We're in for a doozy." And then the phones all start going off with the weather alerts. And then for about fifteen minutes, all hell broke loose. Tree limbs are coming down, yeah. right on cue. Out go the lights, <laughs> right? And the front. You you pointed. I was. I had shit to do. I was running around like a chicken with the head cut off. And I, uh, Kevin's like, look. And I look out the front, and the water's coming down the hill so rapidly, mm-hmm. it literally looked riverish. It looked riverine. Right. I, I was like, that might move my car. Yeah. So and you yeah. know, the, and your new backyard uh, drained. So that was yeah. Woohoo! So the power goes off, and that was around. 5.30 and we're sitting around and I'm and, like... And let me just put in here and we live in a civilized neighborhood where when usually when there's a power outage, it's usually right back on within yeah, I hours. Was, I thought so too and then because when, when I looked, we pulled out the outage map, it was... Uh, your area was hit pretty badly because we drove over to Alexandria and we immediately the like a half a mile from the house, everything had power. power. So confident that it would come back. Yeah, we and, went and, I, we, I took Kevin for food and I had a bottle of wine and okay, we let's went to Lowe's, bought a dehumidifier. <laughs> we got back and um, then you know the neighbors across the street are milling about and then wow, the neighbors have power. So at about seven thirty, uh, no, 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 earlier than that, like seven six thirty, the people right across the street got power. And I was like, "Well, this is this is looking better." And then you pulled up your neighborhood watch thing, and they're and, like, "They're saying eight thirty. Yeah, nah. And there was like, "Well, it'll be eight thirty, and then eight thirty came, and, and then nine came, and, and my went. house is getting hotter and, and hotter and so hotter." I, I got in the car and drove around the neighborhood. The only part of this neighborhood that didn't have power was this block. Yeah, which is hilarious. Now, subsequently, they say the people who did have power lost it again. Yes. So at about and then today, so well, well, ten thirty. Okay, I'm yeah. like, well, well, let's just go up to Maryland. We'll flee to Maryland. <laughs> Kevin's like, come to my house. We'll go up there. Blah, yeah. Blah. And but then I then I wasn't sure if we had power or not. He because- fucked with. He was fucking with me, and I was I was in no. But well, it was no, no, very no, funny. No, no, no. Hilarious. Before we even got there, because I tried to pull up my security camera, and it said it's offline. So then I texted my neighbor, and I'm like, hey, can you just look and see if the lights on in my my living room? And he said, well, I I will when I get home. And I, it's ten o'clock at night and he's i'm like in my head where are you so because my buildings lost power before they lost power in a big snowmageddon a few years ago and parts of my building got power and i didn't or i would have light in the back bedroom and in the kitchen and that was it they were like different nodes were on so we were like we'll just go and then when we got there yeah i couldn't help myself i got up and i said i'll go and look at the car i told him i said i am not getting out of the car double check because if your apartment does not have uh power i'm not bothering to get Get out of the car get out of the car yeah so i came back head in hands and i got in and i said nope 
And you're like, well, what are we going to do now? And I was like, I'm, I'm fucking with you. So. And by the way, I found out last night that very few hotels in the immediate area accept dogs, one. And two, the ones that do, it's 150 non-returnable deposits. Yeah. I don't remember. The Red Roof Inn, we, we stayed that. with the puss that time. I know. So, um, so yeah, but we, we learned today when we got back uh, earlier this afternoon that the power just came back on. So we made the right call going up to uh, Maryland. It was funny because... And the, and and I was so crabby, and I was and it. I I even apologized, Kevin. I'm sorry. I'm so crabby, and I and I'm. Just, it was hot, and I was just been sweating all day and doing stuff, and I was active, and I was tired, and wow, wow, wow. You know yeah. all the things. And we got up to we got up to Kevin's place, and I'm like, I'm gonna take a shower, and I made two big cocktails, and then I was in a perfectly lovely mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, and the air conditioning in the car. Oh, helps. the air conditioning helps <laughs> considerably. Yes. So. um Anyway, everything's back on. The studio's powered up. We're ready to talk Woo-hoo! about Forensic Files. Forensic Files. I could not... The, the title of the episode is Radio Silence, but I, for the life of me, could not find what season and episode this is. I looked <gasps> and I looked, because they turned this episode into... Cold Case now has a um, Good company podcast. in the car, listeners. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry that Kevin has failed you and doesn't know the season and episode number for this. I apologize for Kevin. Okay, I'm gonna have to totally amplify that. <laughs> or or I leaned or, all or, the way in. Or may, maybe for, for through the magic of deletion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and, okay, and it starts. This one starts out, and and I and I hate the winter, and and it's it's a cold Colorado morning. It's January 1980, and a woman is on a remote stretch of highway, and she's got her kids with her. And she looks over in a barren field, and she sees what she thinks is a body. Actually, is, wait, wait, wait. Uh, do you know something? The I don't? little boy. Oh, the little said, boy. "Mom, that's a body." And she's like, "No, it's not." Oh, wow. And he's like, "That's a body." <laughs> well, she she kept going, and then she found some highway workers and told them what she had seen, and then they called the authorities, and this is what they find. Douglas County officers did arrive. The investigators found a younger female, probably at that point, late teens, early 20s, lying on her back. So that was Tony Spurlock. He's a Douglas County Sheriff. So at the crime scene, they can see two sets of footprints stepping over the barbed wire fence and heading out into the field. But then only one set of footprints comes back. Isn't that so upsetting? Like It's chilling as fuck. And you know, you know. No, mm-hmm. the two sets of footprints. The one person did not know they were not coming back. Yes, they just thought, "Well, this is going to be a horrible evening, psychological trauma, smacked around, possibly raped." Yeah, no, no, it was much worse than that. And the the footprints that returned were made with boots, men's boots, cowboy so, boots, cowboy boots, cowboy boots. You could see that there are two sets of footprints going in, and only one set coming out, and they look like they were uh, like a boot, like a like a, like a cowboy boot. So we now know that the crime scene occurred here uh, because this person is walking. They're not being carried in and just dropped. In nearby Inglewood, Colorado, a 21-year-old woman had been reported missing. The Inglewood Police Department had taken a missing persons report on January 16th. The person that they took a report on was Helene Przinsky. So it was Helene Przinsky, and she's from Hamilton, Massachusetts. This is her friend who made the promise to Helene's parents that no matter what, over the years, she would make sure this guy was found, no matter what. 
She very much wanted to be part of the school and part of different organizations. Very much into drama, very much into the school spirit. She was into poetry. She was into singing. She had a beautiful voice. So as a senior in college, Helene had moved to Colorado and was working as an intern at the local radio station. And on this particular winter afternoon, it was starting to snow, and Helene had asked the station manager if he would give her a ride home. And he said, give me 15 minutes and I'll give you a ride. And he said she thought about it, and then she came back in and she said, you know what, I'll just take the bus. And the reason, uh, in my research, the bus literally dropped her off like two or three blocks from her house yeah so she had she when she rode the bus home from work she only had to walk a very 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 short distance to get from the bus stop to she was living with her aunt and uncle right so helene is living with her aforementioned aunt and uncle and her aunt calls the station manager at about 8 30 asking him if he knows where helene is and he said no she left a few hours ago so the next day The authorities in the next county over have contacted the police in Inglewood, notifying them that they have found a body. This is Helene's uncle. My best friend was a captain, and he said, we just had a call from Douglas County that they found a body of a young female, and they want you to go out and see if you can identify it. I I just knew this had to be her. This was the only reported missing young female. I just sickened my stomach. I didn't want to go to the scene and identify the body, but didn't have any choice. We drove down to the location. I had to get out and walk out into the snowy field. But as soon as I got to the body, I knew it was her. I instantly knew it was her. It was the worst thing I ever had to do. And uh, it's never left my mind. Jack, I don't know why they left her lying in the field for him to come and identify. That does does that make any sense to you? Well, the only thing I, I the only thing I can think of is that it's 1980. They didn't. They were trying. They they were scared they would mess up evidence. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. It I was don't... so cold, and think about it. It's cold. They don't want to possibly disturb. You know, I, I I'm 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 hoping that that is what it is. I, they I didn't want to mess make, up evidence. That made no sense to me. The pathology report indicates that she had been stabbed 10 times in the back back. and had been sexually assaulted. So uh, 1980 DNA is not a thing, but they did find what looked like bodily fluids. So they collected them and preserved them. We got to find out how they do that. Yeah. Because they can't obviously keep the fluids because they would degrade. No. um, So you have a blood sample or a semen sample or a saliva sample. They do a panel on it, and I I guess the information on the panel is safe? No, I don't. I think it's an actual physical sample that they hold. I don't know if they keep it in formalin or what. Sorry, good company in the car, people. We're going to have to figure that one out. We are. The attack is so brutal. They make the assumption that since the it was so personal stabbing like that that many times it's usually a crime of passion and the victim usually knows the assailant so they were working under that assumption for a while early in the case the way that she was murdered does give an indication that this is a crime of passion and so that sometimes leads to uh, an individual who might know her we were told that the brutality of the murder it was with such rage that there was an opportunity for it to be someone that she knew. It seemed personal. That would not be the case in this case. I don't think I can say case enough. <laughs> what are you doing over there? You gone from using the big expensive words to trying to do wordplay? Okay. Word salad. 
So the radio station where she was working as an intern was KHOW in Denver. KHOW, I would love to know what their tagline is. The news director is Mike Anthony. She's only been in town for a couple of weeks, so he reckoned that she couldn't have known. She most likely did not know who her killer was. They had a very small circle of friends. That makes sense to me. I was contacted by several investigators after the uh, day that uh, Helene was found, and, and they wanted all the information I could give them about people that worked for me, people in the radio station, anybody she had come in contact with, or if there was anybody I thought that might want to harm her. One woman does phone the police department after this all broke, saying she saw a man in that area around the time that Helene would have been attacked. He was kneeling next to a car with the hazard lights on. So using a sketch artist, and they remark, and they make the remark about this a couple of times, that she's under hypnosis. I, well, they, I don't know. Back in the... They, they still hypnosis put in, was a thing. That yeah. was a thing back then. Uh, they came up with a sketch of a guy with a full head of hair and a mustache. They have a composite of this white male uh, with, you know, thick hair kind of parted to the side with the mustache. But it was aired and uh, nothing ever came of it. Despite their best efforts, the case goes cold. So now it's 2019, Oof. and a statewide effort to re-examine cold cases, and this helped us out the other night with uh, the other woman who was killed in Colorado, and the DNA led him to the guy who'd been in jail because he was writing prescription, false prescriptions. Right. And DNA solved that case. Leads the investigators submitting the sample, submitting the sample that they retrieved from Helene's body all those years ago. And they start using commercial sites like Ancestry.com and 23andMe. And they're able to locate someone who was most likely the killer's mother. We found who we thought was the mother of the person that did this horrible act in Douglas County. So he used this expression, sent to Morgan. Well, yeah. Now that is a genetic unit. Ooh. And it's, it's like if you use centimeters to measure distances, if you use ounces to measure weight or volume, you use centigrams to measure the amount of DNA that a sample has in common with another DNA centimorgans, sample. Centimorgans, not centigrams. Centimorgans, sorry. So more, the more centimorgans, the more closely related the two samples are. It is are. just amazing to me to think that like... The, the 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 way the the way that works so you know distant relatives there are people who are using ancestry and me and mm -hmm. you know all this whatever, me, yeah. whatever they're called to find relatives that because they didn't know they had any yeah or, and they unwittingly are helping putting killers away which well, i think is great that, we, we've discussed that before <laughs> I, I love it i think anybody who i think everybody should have dna sample or i, I whatever agree with it's you I, I should be mandatory but they're gonna people are gonna clean claim it's an invasion of privacy you know the horrible part about that is i see both sides of that uh, story uh -huh. but I, it's a slippery slope it is, though once, it is once a, you get yes i agree then you it's like gattaca yeah it's, so, like, you know, it's exactly what gets yeah, exactly. you get gattaca when you start that stuff I, and i get it and everything but it's just it, you there is no you cannot fake dna uh, no you cannot it's, fake it, it. it it's great but hopefully hopefully we'll hit an, an, a nice compromise with that but they um they think they found the mother, but when they pull up her record, she's given birth to multiple children, but they can immediately rule out her daughters because it was from a semen sample that they got the G the DNA. But then they don't she doesn't seem to have any sons on record, and they looked it up and they found out that she gave them both up for adoption. But with further sleuthing, they come across an article in the Denver newspaper about a woman being reunited with her long 
long-adopted son, and it's a feel-good story. So they go and they get DNA from him, and it's nearly a perfect match, but it's not. It's the brother. So then they find out the other son is Curtis Allen White, and he had been convicted of a rape in the 1970s, and he had already served his time by 1980. So he was paroled out to Colorado, and he was in the Denver area at the time of Helene's murder. In my research, he had been out of jail for two days. Two days? He had just gotten out of jail. Turned around and... For rape. Jeez, what a... He was going to Colorado to move in with a counselor person. Oh, well, a lot of good that did. So now we see... um, So they use his fingerprints and they track him to Florida. He'd been arrested in 1998 for domestic violence. Again, this guy's a class act. So when investigators in Colorado get his picture, they know they've got their guy. They showed his mugshot next to the artist rendition from back in 1973. Yes. And they looked exactly alike. It was amazing. I have to say this is this is very unusual. This is this is a this is an absurd statement of uh, of uh, catastrophic. It's just an absurd statement. It is always interesting to me when you see someone who is a criminal Mm -hmm. and they are attractive. Uh I, I don't I know that makes Absolutely no sense, but it just seems that when you are good looking, the world is a little easier for it you. It is. That's a known thing. So, so this guy in the in 1980 was a he had reddish hair, he had blue eyes, he wasn't gorgeous or anything like that, yeah. but he was not. He was a good looking dude, and it's very interesting to me to think that this is what he was. Capable of well, it's it's, it's a known fact that the better looking you are, the more likely you are to get away with uh, crimes as well. Well, exactly, it's true. true. Don't tell anybody about those Swiss bank accounts I have. (laughs) So now we see Curtis being investigated in the investigation room in Florida. I think they got him to come in under the ruse that they wanted to talk to him about some stolen cars, but they very quickly bring up the real reason they are interviewing him. We talked about um, how I don't really care about. Stolen cars from 1980 in Colorado, but we do care about a young woman in Colorado in 1980. And we want to um, show you a picture of her and see if you recognize her. I think I want to turn you now. You see him look at it, and his demeanor changed. So once he sees that photo, he shuts down pretty quickly and asks for a lawyer. However, they have a warrant for his arrest for kidnapping and first-degree murder, and they immediately handcuff him. So he just says, all right. So they arrest him on the spot, and they hold him without bail. The investigators from Colorado fly down in a sweet, small, private jet to get him. (laughs) Which is kind of unusual. That's a lot of money. I thought so, too. And we see him on the plane with the investigator, and he just starts singing like a canary. He makes a full confession on the plane. Um, well, I'll let you finish this out and then I'll think, and then I'll give mm-hmm. you some research. Okay. Do you remember what you were wearing? No. You have been wearing cowboy boots, shoes? I'm sure I was wearing cowboy boots. What, what made Helene the, the right target? Faith. He said he saw Helene stand up to get off the bus. 
He made a U-turn, and as she's crossing the street, he shows her the knife. She says, I see it. He walks over, puts his arm around her, and says, come with me, and uh, ties her hands behind her back with uh, the strap from her purse. She didn't tell me about herself. She asked me what I was doing, and I told her that I was kidnapping her for money, and she said, well, my parents don't have any money, and so what a fucking monster he was like she didn't i told her i was going to kidnap her for money but she didn't know the real reason i was kidnapping her and the way he just says it it's it's so um impersonal like she didn't have any idea what i was really going to do to her it's just it's 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 right. abhorrent yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just saw her there and decided to kill her. It was just a spur of the moment thing. He's sitting at the bus stop. He pulls out a knife and says, come here. I'm going to, if you don't He come was with me. driving by and he saw her stand up on the bus and get off the bus. He approached her in the car mm-hmm. and he showed her the knife and she says, I see it. And he says, get in. And she did. There, it was a, and and they said in the interview, "Why did you pick her?" What he and he, or what what did she? And he said, "Fate." Yeah, he said, "Fate." He had no. He had this wasn't. This was purely uh, an opportunity or a chance of opportunity. What, mm-hmm. Whatever that term. Crime is. of opportunity. Yeah, and that's the only reason she simply was in. She was two blocks from her from her yeah. where she was staying. Yeah, and it's just horrible so they repeatedly ask him if he's committed any other crimes and he denies it but i have to believe he did but at 63 years of age he is convicted of murder and given life in prison with the possibility of parole after 20 years which would make him 83 i can't see him ever getting parole well in my research yeah yeah, lay some on me well it's you know when we're getting these crimes that are so old and these people that are are have got some age on them, a lot of them don't have online uh, presences. Right. Presence? Presence. 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 Anyway, uh-huh. uh, he had children and he had a daughter. Oh. And apparently this daughter was the he was a beloved daughter. And when he kind of got caught, uh-huh. he's like, well, I have to do this because what if it had been my daughter? So oh, that okay. that is what came about kind that of brought later. about his humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so he because when you sit when you saw the interview, he's not aggressive. He's not even angry. He's not mean. He's not. But he tried to get out of. It. He said, "You got the wrong guy." Right, right, I don't right. Know what you're talking but, about. but 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 there was no raised voices. There was no uh, anything. Mm-hmm. He was he was no like, resistance. Yeah, okay, yeah, resistance. He was he was like, oh, oh. yeah. And I and he realized, you know, he he had he, a f- he'd become up. a better person, and by the time he became a better person, he yeah. got caught for a crime from his past. Yeah, from from yeah, it was how many years later, and and um, so it was yeah, it was great, and and but uh, Helene's friend was the one who kept pushing investigators, and they and she made sure that when they started those cold case files in Colorado, that Helene's case was one of them, and uh, her. Her family credits that one friend, and I, I didn't get her name, yeah. as the driving force. And she was like, no, nah, I'm justice for Helene. It's just so, you know, again, uh, I, I, you know, it, you just don't. That's how come I'm so. <laughs> that's how come I'm so cynical and so jaded and and so. Uh, I don't want to use the word paranoid, but there's a little. I got a little bit of paranoia in me, mm-hmm. so I'm always, you know, hey, what's going on around me? What's going on around me? Because you make fun of me, like when we go places, I want to sit with my back to the wall and stuff like yeah, that. like a mafia dog. <laughs> You're not gonna get shot in the back. <laughs> but well, because you know, I when I'm. 
when I'm doing fun stuff, I kind of stop paying attention. Uh-huh. So I want to be in a position to be able to look up and see. Yeah. It's very funny. I know that makes absolutely no sense to anybody, but that's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, what are you going to do? That is the, uh, that's the tale of Helene Pazin. Puz- those those Polish last names yeah, are real exactly. tongue twisters. But um, well, thank you for uh, listening, and we will see you next time. Yeah, or a barber.